I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are going to be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are going to work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're going to read one chapter a week. And inside our book study Facebook group, you're going to get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts. You're going to get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's going to be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're going to get a lot out of the group, even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode nine of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey y'all, happy Monday and welcome back to another episode of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. I am having so much fun recording these episodes and anytime I sit down, I feel like I'm about to have a conversation with some of my best friends and it just makes me so excited. And in so many ways, I kind of wish that this was almost like a live episode and I could interact with you guys more. I love being able to connect with teachers and just talk about strategies and things that are going to make your job teaching easier and really have an impact on your students. And so this is just so much fun for me. And maybe you were one of my attendees, but a couple weeks ago, I hosted a free online workshop where we talked all about reading comprehension. And if you didn't catch the workshop live and you want the replay, just send me a message on Instagram or send me an email. I would love to share the link with you. But it was titled Three Keys to Unlocking Reading Comprehension, What Every Reading Teacher Would Focus On. And really, there's more than three keys to unlocking reading comprehension. But I wanted to provide a workshop that would give teachers some very practical and actionable steps that they could take that would have a direct impact on their students' comprehension. And as I was putting it together, it was one of those workshops that I wish I had access to when I was first starting out in my teaching career. And I'm not sure if you share some of the same challenges or frustrations, but teaching comprehension was so frustrating at times. Oh my goodness, I felt like I was doing everything right as a teacher, and yet it would not resonate with my students. I could tell that they, I had some students that were still not understanding all of the text they were reading or still not able to transfer skills to their independent reading. And I just realized that teaching comprehension is complex. 
It's really abstract and it's complicated to teach and it's even harder to assess. And I think that's because there are so many different layers and things that have an impact on an individual's comprehension. And some of the things we talked about in this workshop are background knowledge and vocabulary and genre and interest and even a student's self-belief about whether or not they can be successful readers. And then not to mention, do they actually have strategies and skills that will help them understand the text? And even if they have those skills and strategies, do they know when to apply them to their reading? There is so much that goes into it, and it is definitely not a one-size-fits-all approach to teaching, or there's really not a one-size-fits-all way to teach comprehension. And I think this is both good news and bad news. This just means, though, that as teachers, we really have to have a toolbox that is filled with a ton of strategies and knowledge. So when it comes to teaching comprehension, if we notice our students are struggling, we can pull out another tool and try it out. And if that one doesn't work, we can try another strategy. We can take another approach to it. So Today on the podcast, I really wanted to dig a little bit deeper into one of the strategies that I mentioned during the workshop, but I didn't really get enough time to dig into it. And that's the idea of using author studies in your classroom to really tap into your students' interest and motivation. Now, I love using author studies as part of my reading block, and they are super easy to implement. Kids love them. Teachers love them. And really, they gave me a reason to justify purchasing more picture books out there. I'm just curious, does anyone else have a picture book problem? I swear, anytime I'd walk past either uh, half-price books or anytime I'm buying something on Amazon, I always throw a picture book in there. And author studies were just a reason for me to expand my collection. But before I jump into all of my tips and strategies for using author studies, I want to take just a minute to talk about why as reading teachers, we really need to be thinking about our students' motivation and interest when we are planning our reading lesson. And during the workshop, I had shared this quote that I had read from a book by Kelly Gallagher. It's called Deeper Reading. Um, It's a really great book. It has just a ton of strategies if you're looking for a good book to read. But the quote says, as a teacher, what you do or don't do before your students read a text will determine their level of motivation and interest. And this in turn will have a direct effect on their level of comprehension. And as soon as I read this quote, it just stuck with me. And I really love it for two reasons. First of all, I think it does a really good job of highlighting the fact that motivation and interest are directly tied to a student's comprehension, which I think is so true. And anytime I'm thinking about how we teach reading, I try to think about my own reading life as an adult and how I read as an adult, because the reality of it is, is we want to prepare our students to be real readers. And so we need to think about how do we read in the real world? And if I'm reading a text that doesn't interest me, I know that it is going to take me three times as long to read it. And I know that if I'm reading something that I'm not excited about, my brain is going to wander, which means I need to reread pages over and over again, or I don't even pay close attention to what is happening in the text because I'm just not excited about it. My motivation to finish a text is substantially less if it's about a topic or if it's a genre that I don't enjoy, or if I don't see a real purpose for reading it. I have always been in a book club, and I love being a part of a community that has a shared experience around a book, but I also do not like historical fiction. And anytime we read a historical fiction in my book club, 
I usually don't finish the book. I usually don't participate a lot in the conversation. It just doesn't interest me. And I think we need to keep that in mind that the same is true for our students, that their interests and their motivation is going to be directly tied to their performance in reading, which is going to have an impact on their comprehension. But more so, what I really like about this quote is that I think it reminds us that as teachers, that we have the power to frame our students' reading experiences in a way that will excite them, motivate them, and keep them engaged in reading. I love how he says what we do or don't do before a reading experience is going to impact our students' motivation and interest. And really, we're the ones that determine the types of texts that we read to our students. We determine the types of texts that students have access to. We determine the purpose that we set for our reading block and for independent reading. And when we think about all of this, this means that as teachers, we have the power to help our students fully understand what we are reading, which we should be excited about this, you guys. This is good news. And I think sometimes just the way our school system is set up, that as teachers, it can be tempting to feel powerless when it comes to student mastery or just anything in general. Because if you think about it, we as teachers, even though we are the instructional experts, we don't always have control over our schedules or the curriculum we use, or how our students are going to be assessed, or even how students are grouped and the types of interventions they get access to. So much of what we have to deal with and handle in the classroom is just given to us, and we are expected to make the best of it. And we do because teachers, we are amazing. Y'all are amazing, and you can handle anything that is thrown at you. But I love thinking about this idea that every time we sit down to read a book, or every time we send our students back to our desks to read independently, or every time we assign them to a book club, we have the power to frame that reading experience in a way that will excite, motivate, and inspire our students. So while we might feel powerless in many parts of our instructional day, we really have complete control over how we frame the reading experiences in our classroom. And you've heard me say this phrase, how we frame our reading experiences. And maybe you're thinking, what is she even talking about? I have no idea what that means. So let me explain that a little bit. The way our school system is set up, our reading instruction is really set up in such a way that our focus is on helping students master the state standards. A specific reading skill often becomes the purpose for our reading lesson. And this makes sense. This is what our job is. We want our students to master the standards. And whether you're using a basal reading program or if you are selecting mentor texts for reading workshop, a lot of times our reading lessons begin with, today we're going to learn how to make inferences. Today we're going to learn how to identify text structure. Today we're going to read to practice identifying main idea. And while this is very purposeful, and a lot of times this is what our schools tell us we should be doing, we need to think about, does this approach to reading make our students excited? Does this make them want to read? Are our students going to be motivated and excited if the purpose for reading is to learn about the main idea and to really just practice reading? I would say probably not. Maybe we have some students that are very academically motivated, but most students aren't going to get excited. They might do well. They might learn the standards in that way, but it's not going to excite them. And so in order to tap into our students' motivation and interest, we really need to disguise our reading lessons as something else that gives our students a purpose that they can connect to. And this is really what I mean by providing a context or a frame. And I think this is what 
Kelly meant in his quote when he said, what we do or don't do before a reading experience has the power to impact our students' interest and motivation. So one of the ways, there are many, but one of the ways that you can frame your reading experience to spark interest is by incorporating author studies into your reading block. And If you've never done an author study before, you're not really sure what it is. An author study is simply a deep dive into the study of one author or an illustrator's work. And you can do an author study in so many different ways, whatever works for your students. You can do it over the course of a week. You can do it over a month. You can even do a short author study in a couple days. And the whole point of an author study is to expose students to multiple texts from the same author. And you want them to really get to know that author. You want to help them figure out similarities or commonalities in their writing. You want them to be able to think about how their personal life influenced their writing, why they decided to become a writer. And when we explore books or texts from the same author, students start to ask questions about why the author wrote those stories and why we see certain things in their writing and why they leave certain things out. And so it can just be a really great way to get students excited about reading. And Sometimes I think we hear things like author studies and we think, oh my gosh, that just sounds like extra work. I don't have enough time as it is. How am I going to find time to squeeze in an author study or where am I going to find time to plan for this author study? But let me just tell you that author studies are one of those things that are not going to require any extra work on your part. They are simple to incorporate and it does not take a ton of planning to get started. In fact, when I first started doing author studies, it kind of was accidental My very first year teaching, I was a second grade teacher, and I loved reading out loud to my students. I think it was one of those things that made me so excited to become a teacher. And I really tried to squeeze in four fun read-alouds multiple times throughout the day. And when I think back on the first my first year of teaching, that might have been the only thing that I did well was read aloud to my students every day because everything else in my class was a hot mess that year. But we'll save that for a couple other podcast episodes. But Anyways, I would have a stack of books on my desk and I would just pick the first one off that stack and I would read it to my students with no objectives, no goal, just to enjoy a story. And at some point during the year, I happened to read two Eric Carl books back to back. And the first one that I read to my students was The Very Hungry Caterpillar. And then the next one I read was The Tiny Seed. And I think we read these on the same day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And Anytime I'd read a book, I would introduce the author and the title, but I I didn't make any connections that we had read two Eric Carle books back to back, but my students noticed, and they noticed that the illustrations looked the same in both of the books, and they noticed that both of these books told stories about a sequence, and they noticed that both of these books talked about things in nature, and then the more they noticed about these two stories by the same author— They just kept noticing and they kept noticing. And the more they noticed, they started to ask more questions. They started to wonder, do all of his books use the same style of illustrations? Do all of his books talk about nature? Do they all have a pattern or tell a story that is in sequence? Does he only write picture books? How long does it take him to create the artwork? How did he create the artwork? And I could tell that my students just had an interest and they were curious. And so I found another Eric Carl book in my library. I think it was The Grouchy Ladybug. And when I pulled this book out and said, look, you guys, I found another Eric Carl book, my students got so excited. And so the next day I was like, let me see if I can find another, because if I can find books that excite my students, of course, I'm going to want to read them. And after we had exhausted all of the Eric Carl books I had in my personal library, I went to the public library and I checked out all of the Eric Carl books that I could find. 
And when I brought those back the next day to my students and I said, we're going to do an author study on Eric Carle and we're going to read all of these books, they got so excited. They looked forward to it. So every day when we sat down to read, we sat down with the purpose of studying this author. I didn't say we're going to sit down and learn how to make inferences. I didn't say we're going to sit down and learn how to ask questions, make connections, sequence a story. We did those things while we were reading. But the purpose for our reading was to study this author. And let me tell you, my students were interested. I rarely had to redirect any of my students during this during our read-alouds with this author study. And they were motivated. Anytime that it was time for their independent reading or if they had extra time, they were asking, could I read some of the Eric Carl books? Could I reread those books that we read? And the fact that my students wanted to read these books made me so excited. And so Like I said, while we were applying and practicing so many comprehension skills during the author study, it didn't feel like practice or standard work for my students because they were just having fun learning about an author that they were interested in. But in order for them to enjoy the author study, we had to incorporate these comprehension skills. So I had to teach them lessons on making inferences and making connections, but it wasn't the sole focus and purpose for our reading. Okay, so hopefully hearing about how I got started with author studies has convinced you that an author study can really have a huge impact on your students' motivation and interest. And like we talked about, this in turn is going to have an impact on their comprehension. So let's practically talk about how do you get started with an author study? And like I said, getting started with an author study is really as simple as three easy steps. Step number one, pick an author. And really, you can select any author that your students enjoy or that you think your students enjoy. No author is off limits. So if you've read a book and you've noticed that your students really liked that book, whether it's a chapter book or a picture book, see if that author has other ones. Or if you've done some research and you see an author from either interest or Pinterest or Instagram that other teachers are talking about, use that as an author. It doesn't matter. Just pick an author. And I try to balance my author studies with, first of all, we would try to do them once a month. And I would try to balance them with me picking an author that I think my students would like and then letting them pick. And that would either happen by them voting and actually telling me an author that they wanted to study. Or I would just pay attention to how they responded to the books that we read. And a few years ago, my class kind of did an impromptu author study on Kate DiCamello. And she usually writes chapter books and doing an author study on an author who writes chapter books can be a little bit more complicated, but it still can be done. But anyways, we had read the book Tiger Rising, which I love. And then the next book we read was Because of Winn-Dixie. And I don't know why or how we ended up reading those two back to back, but my students noticed that in both stories, the main character was raised by a single parent. They noticed that animals played a huge role in both stories. And they also noticed that the main character was a bit of an outcast and dealt with a lot of isolation and loneliness in the story. And so they started to wonder, did all of Kate DiCamillo's books have these similar themes and elements? They wondered if she was inspired by her personal life to write these types of stories. And so they started to do some research. And then we decided to do a author study in the form of book clubs with all of Kate DiCamillo's books. And since they're chapter books, and this was towards the end of the year, we didn't really have time to read them all whole group. So we formed book clubs and students got to pick which book they read and they read the book and discussed it in their group. And then we did a jigsaw. So students were in groups with other students who read other Kate DiCamillo books. And then we got to talk about what they noticed in the book that they read and if it was similar to what other students noticed. And it was very impromptu, but my students had an interest in this author and I wanted to let them pursue it. So we did an author study on 
Kate Camillo. So really all you have to do is pick an author. It does not matter. There is no wrong answer, whichever author you love. And some of my favorite author studies for upper elementary for picture books were Patricia Polacco and Jacqueline Woodson. And the reason why I like them so much for upper elementary is because they have so many good themes in their books that I think are just really important to discuss with upper elementary students. So anyways, step one, super easy, pick an author. Second step, once you've selected the author, all you have to do is find five to 10 books by that author. And I always try to think about how long do I want my author study to be, and some authors have more books out there than others, and so the availability might determine how long your author study can be. But if I'm going to do an author study for a week, obviously I want five books, and I try to find a balance of really well-known titles and maybe some lesser-known titles. And I think it's good just to give students an exposure to the full range of what that author writes. And I like to use Patricia Polacco as an example because she has so many well-known picture books. And I really think probably her most popular picture book is Thank You, Mr. Falker. I think a lot of teachers read that at the beginning of the year. A lot of students are familiar with it. I know I had students that read that book year after year. But Patricia Polacco has a lot of other texts out there. And she has a story called The Bravest Man in the World, which is a historical fiction about a violin player on the Titanic. And it is very much a a Patricia Polacco book, but it's very different in the fact that most of her stories are about the same character. They're about Trisha, and they're about stories about her childhood and inspired by her family and her friends. And so this book, The Bravest Man in the World, really strays a little bit from what most people think of with Patricia Polacco stories. And when you can incorporate two different ranges of titles, it really helps students sort of get this idea of like, what is the full I don't know, writing style of that author. And then it makes them wonder, well, why did she decide to write this book here about the Titanic when most of her stories are about her childhood? And it just encourages them to ask more questions and notice more things, which is a huge part of doing the author study. So in addition to finding the books that you actually want to read aloud to your students, I also like to try to find additional texts and just have them available. So even if you're not reading them out loud, If you're studying an author, more than likely your students are going to want to read those books during their independent reading time. And if you have extra ones available, your students are going to probably jump at the chance to read those books. And maybe you're thinking, okay, I want to do an author study. I even have an author in mind, but I don't have these books and I can't afford to buy new ones. I get it. (laughs) Life of a teacher can be challenging. There's all these things we want to do for our students, but at the end of the day, they cost money. So A great place that you can find books, first of all, is check out your school library if you have one. They might have some books that you can get for an author study for a specific author. And then another place to go, obviously, is the public library or even the internet. I always think that if you're looking for a text, you probably can find a YouTube recording of it out there somewhere. And so maybe you find your author and you have your list of books. If you're not able to find all of them, you can obviously substitute with whatever is available. So take advantage of your libraries. Take advantage of the internet. Other things to think about is if you want to do author studies for next year or even maybe later in this year, do some planning now and then put in a donor's choose grant for all of the text in your author study. That's how I got, once I started doing author studies with my students, that's how I got a lot of my texts. I just made a plan for here's the 10 author studies I want to do during the year. I made a list of the books and I put that out there in donor's choose and it was a great way for me to build my library. Other things that I've done in the past, too, is I'd ask parents in my class if they wanted to donate a book for an author study throughout the year. So if you spend some time planning during the summer, you can actually come up with the titles and the authors that you want to study and get all of those books collected before the year even begins. 
So that was step number two. Pretty simple, huh? Just select the books for your author study. And then step three, you guys, is even easier. All you do is you read them. One thing I like to do when I'm doing the author study is to come up with this idea of what is my timeline for reading the text? What day am I going to read them? How long is it going to take me to do these read-alouds? How long will it take me to do the author study? Because I know that the life of a teacher can get busy. It can be difficult to squeeze things in. So I would just try to figure out how how frequently am I going to be able to read a book and how often I'm going to do them. And I would try to read at least one book a day or every other day because this is going to keep our students engaged and excited. So once you have the books, read them. And you don't need to do any extra work for your read-alouds. You read them and then let your students respond and lead the discussions. You really want to try to let your author study be as organic as possible because then this is when your students are going to ask the questions and notice the things that are going to get them excited about the author study. And then you're going to be able to respond to their interests and their motivation and let them do whether it's research on that author or find other books or do book studies on them. But when they are having the sort of, like I said, this organic conversation about the books, then that's when that true interest and motivation develops. And then we know that when they have interest and motivation, it impacts their comprehension. So while you are reading the books to your of, in the author study to your students, you don't necessarily need to be planning anything, but we do want to prompt and encourage our students to pay attention to the collection of the stories and not necessarily the individual texts. A lot of times when we're doing read-alouds, our students are just paying attention to that one story. They're noticing that one story. And so an author study is a little bit different that we might need to train our students or prompt them just to think about the story in sort of relation to all of the other stories in the in this collection. And so things that you might want to do, and these would be good questions or prompts to put up on an anchor chart or just to have it visible for your students, but you want them to think about the types of stories that the author shares. Is every single story by that author written about the same character or is it about the same theme or does it have a similar setting? Do they write about the same topic? Do they have any similarities or does every story, is it always a little bit different? And We want our students to pay attention to see if the storylines or the characters make appearance in other stories or if they continue on. So we just want to encourage our students to think beyond the individual story and think how it connects to the entire body of work by the author. And again, all of these things, if we're having our students pay attention to the characters, to the theme, to the setting, to the storyline, it's really going to help them apply their comprehension skills that we want them to master by the end of the year. But we're disguising it in the context of an author study. So that's it, you guys. An author study in three easy steps. First, select the author, then find five to 10 books by that author, and then read those books in one to two weeks. There are definitely other things that you can do to enhance your author study, but you can do an author study in those three simple steps. So don't let the idea of the fact that it has a formal name, an author study, prevent you from exploring an author with your students. Now, if you're thinking, okay, this sounds good, I can manage this, what are some other things that I could do to get maximum benefit from an author study? Well, a couple things that you could do is have your students spend time researching that author and their personal life. You can either go to their their own website, see if there's biographies written about them, but see if you can learn about that author because a lot of times what you learn about their personal life will help you and help their students make connections to the types of things that they write about. Other things, and I kind of mentioned this, but try to find other books by that author that aren't going to be included in your author study, but that your students can read 
because this is going to create more class buzz about the author study. So if they can read a book that you're not reading whole group, but it helps them learn more about the author, they're just going to get more excited about it. A couple other things that you can do is you can reach out to the author if they are still alive. And that could be simply writing a letter to them and tell them that you did an author study and what your favorite book was and what they learned from it. My students always wrote letters at the end of our author study. And We usually wouldn't hear back from the author, but occasionally we would get a letter from someone on their team just thanking them for their letters. And even though this wasn't directly from the author, my students loved getting these letters back. You can also just ask if the author would be willing to Zoom or Skype with your class. You never know. They might say yes, and then think about what an amazing experience that would be for your students if they could have a conversation with an author that they studied. Other things that you sort of want to think for, think about are this idea of doing a culminating project. I would always love to do some sort of artwork with my students, and that would help us sort of analyze the illustrations that the author chose to use in their book and why they used a certain artwork. And, you know, if there's especially like the Eric Carl uses such an interesting form of his illustrations are so different than so many other ones that we see. And so an art project can be a really great culminating project at the end of the author study. But there's tons of other things that you can do to really summarize and wrap up the author study. Make it somewhat of an event. And then the other thing to do is just hype it up. The energy that you bring to any reading experience, especially an author study, is going to be contagious. And if you're excited about studying an author and learning about this author, the more excited your students are going to be about studying that author as well. So hopefully by now you're like, okay, I'm ready. I want to do an author study with my students. But just in case you need a few more reasons, let me just remind you, here are some other benefits that you will get from doing an author study in your classroom. Author studies help you create a community of learning that is centered around books. And I know that as reading teachers, that is something we all want. Author studies help your students critically examine texts from a new angle. Again, something we want for our students. They can help your students develop a deep attachment and interest to specific books or authors. It's a great way to expose your students to a variety of authors and illustrators. And really, it helps your students develop their own opinions and interests about their reading experiences, which is going to help them become a lifelong reader. So hopefully you are convinced. Hopefully you make plans to do an author study in your classroom soon. And you guys, I would love to hear from you. I love hearing from teachers who listen to this podcast, and I love hearing what what ideas you're incorporating. And so I would be thrilled if you reached out to me on Instagram. I am the Stellar Teacher Company, or you can send me an email. I'm just Sarah at StellarTeacher.com. And I would love to know what author you and your students are going to be studying this year. So that is it. I hope you guys have a stellar week and I cannot wait to connect with you guys next week on another episode of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. much for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. Don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. And you can also find links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.